From the producers of RuPaul's Drag Race, it's murder? Hi, I'm Nito Kitchen. Tonight's media of the Gay Anarchist Yoga and Erotica Kalibaba. We look at the docudrama Party Monster, a movie that has parties and at least one monster in it. In this, this film focuses on the Club Kids, a group of avant-garde socialite artists, so I had tonight's friends dress up as their own Club Kids sonas, but since this is an audio podcast, they're going to have to describe them for you. Uh, first up, don't look too long or you'll get a headache, it's Amelia. Hi there, I am your local club-hopping socialite, dressed in my best clown attire, my name's Amelia, and I can be found on Instagram at the Nefarious Navigator. Next up, she's the original original. It's Mel. Did you just burp my name? Watching that happen on camera made it even better. That was the best thing that's happened to me all day. Oh my god. You're welcome, everybody. Hi, I'm the white girl in the bathroom who just threw on some lingerie and a feather boa. I'm currently crying about how much I love you guys. You can visit me on Tumblr at Perhaps It May Be Dragons. Lastly, you don't have to make an interest when you are the party. It's Ro. Hi, everybody. My name is Ro, and I'm bringing Catboy realness way back to the early 90s, <laughs> baby. You'd be surprised what I'd do for a head pat. And you can find me at SusQueenRow on Facebook. <laughs> All of those are some fast, some fantastic Club Kids sonas. But only one of you can be my OG superstar. Which brings us to our first game, Factor Queerchen. This is your normal movie based on a novel slash documentary based on real life. And as such, real people are being portrayed in this film. So now we're going to look at some of those characters uh, from this film in this multi-choice trivia bonanza. Seven questions, three choices, but only one correct answer. Everybody ready? Ready. All right. Question one. Christina Superstar, an English teacher who, quote, just, just all of a sudden decided to become a woman. It was in a list school by columnist Michael Musto about what? Is it number one, the seven criminally forgotten club kids? Number two, the five muses behind your favorite artists? Or number three, the 12 most nightmarish nightlife people in New York City history? Yes, Ro? I want to go with the 12 most nightmarish um, um, club people in New York City. <laughs> You're correct. <laughs> wow. <laughs> one, one second. I'm I'm doing digital notes because I care about the environment. Musso called her quote a strong out German transsexual that never made any sense, and now I wish that I was her best friend. According to the filmmakers, this was an extremely accurate portrayal down to her being near incomprehensible. <laughs> Goals. <laughs> Question. Question two. Many of the original club kids actually appeared in this film, such as icon Amanda Lepore. Lepore is a model, musician, so many things. But she's mainly known for but she's mainly known by what title that she was given by photographer David LaChapelle. Number one, the most expensive body on earth. Number two, the most expensive ass on earth. Or number three, the most expensive lips on earth. Yes, Amelia. Is it the most expensive ass? No, it is not. Bro? It's gotta be the most expensive lips. It is the most expensive body on Earth. No. Uh, that, Have you seen her lips? This was a reference to the amount of surgery she undertook to create her captivating and iconic figure. She does have a captivating and iconic figure. She's also really known for correct. her for her uh, nude photo shoots as well. Um, 
Question three. Wilmer, Will, Wilmer Valderrama portrayed DJ Superstar Kiyoki, who still DJs to this day. DJ Superstar Kiyoki, not Wilder Valderrama. Blah, blah, blah. Which of these is not part of his discography? Is it number one, Disco Death Race 2000, number two, Inevitable Alien Nation, or number three, Now That's What I Call Shut the Fuck Up and Dance 2012? Amelia. Is it one? It is not. Amel. I'm going with Shut the Fuck Up and Dance 2012. (laughs) That is correct. Kiyoki was arrested in 2017 after a man overdosed in his apartment and has been clean ever since. Good on him. There's, I couldn't find anything else on him, so that's all I got. <laughs> that's um, all we got. <laughs> question four. In the commentary, filmmakers Fenton Bailey and Randy Barbato talked about Peter Gayton and how unfortunate it was that he was a target of Rudy Giuliani, something that went so far that the police ignored the gruesome murder of Angel to instead focus on trying to take him down by giving Michael Alec immunity, or at least cutting down his sentence to manslaughter. Maybe Rudy thought he was a villain because of his high patch that Gaten got from what? Is it number one, a hockey accident? Is it number two, diabetes? Or number three, a fight with a meth head in his first club? Uh, Milia. Please tell me it's the fight with a meth head. <laughs> You're three for three, but that's incorrect. <laughs> Damn, I'm going to beat Roe at losing today. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, Roe, what was it? Oh, God. Um... Oh, God, I want to go with diabetes. You're incorrect. It was the hockey accident. (laughs) All we know is that it was a hockey accident. No other details are available. I only went with diabetes because I couldn't remember what the first one was. (laughs) We should have known this. The man is from Ontario, so... He's from Canada. I should have known. Speaking of Canada... I was going to guess hockey but i just really wanted it to be the meth head (laughs) (laughs) speaking of canada question five angel in the film and angel in real life were both drug dealers that met a horrific fate the death scene was based off the moments described by in the actual confession of freeze with a few details left out thankfully speaking of things left out what is something this film left out of an angel's life is it number one angel was actually employed as a drug dealer by peter gayton before the events of the murder number two his wings were actually a tattoo he always worked walked around shirtless or three his murder was actually a hallucination from the drug trip and he is still alive amelia is it that he was originally hired by Peter Gation to sell drugs? You got it. I got one. <laughs> Angel was fired after a raid, but his employment uh, but his employment shows how claustrophobic this strange tale of murder actually was. I think we're tied for last place now. I'm going to beat uh, maybe. No, Amelia's still ahead. <laughs> no! Yes. Question All right, we got two questions left. I believe in you. Uh, sure. Question question six. James St. James, who wrote the literal book on Party Monster, is known for his insane insane creativity and talent. What is something Seth Green and the producers did to help capture his essence in this film? Is it number one, many of the outfits are the originals from James St. James's collection. Number two, James St. James helped Seth learn what a K-hole was by doing special K with him. Or number three, under contract, Seth was to have no contact with James St. James since Macaulay Culkin was not given access to Michael Alleg pre-shooting since Alleg was angry with James uh, for getting all the attention from the book the movie was partially based on. Mel. Uh, I'm thinking that those were actually James St. James's costumes. You're correct. 
Sadly, Seth is a tiny person, so they had to alter some of the clothes, with permission, so that they would fit. This means that James St. James can't wear any of those iconic outfits again without body modification. Uh, what a shame. <laughs> and now we're on to question seven, the last question for tonight. Look, I don't get to make piss jokes that often, okay? But that's one thing Michael Ag was known for. So much so that he, when he was released in pr- when he was released from prison in 2014, he named his YouTube vlog series what? Is it number one, the PU? Number two, urine, you're out, or number three, the bis take. Okay. Um No one? <laughs> no clue. <laughs> Amelia. It's the PU. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> the PU went until the death of Michael Alec on December 24th, 2020 of an Man, this episode's already the most depressing one we've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> Amelia, I have good news for you. You've tied with Roe, but unfortunately, Melanie is the OG, or sorry, but unfortunately, Mel is the OG superstar tonight. <laughs> Welcome down to my level. (laughs) Mel, you get to decide if I read the the summary in my normal, sexy voice, or in my wacky clown voice. Oh, God. This is all about camp. You're a clown, bitch. Go. (laughs) Party Monster retells the murder of prominent drug dealer Andre Angel Melendez at the hands of the creator of the club kid scene, Michael Allig. The Club Kids were a high-concept art party that's like Andy Warhol's factory, but with more drugs. All all through the eyes of his friend, rival, and collaborator, James St. James. The movie is a dual adaptation of St. James's book, Disco Bloodbath, and the 1998 film, Party Monster, the Shockumentary, Hong Kong. So... Yeah, clowns aren't funny, I get it. Um, so... (laughs) No, you sounded like Bullwinkle, actually. Bullwinkle? <laughs> yeah, I, I got a Bullwinkle by from that as well. I mean, Bullwinkle <laughs> did dress up as a clown, so. <laughs> In an episode of Rocky and Bullwinkle, which I know way too much about. Um, so, <laughs> so hey, Mel, um, do you have any raging thoughts on the film? What did you think about it? Okay, so I don't know if I like this film or not. Like, I know I didn't hate it, and I know I didn't love it, but I can't tell you if I liked it or not. Well, that is a raging Uh. thought. (laughs) (laughs) This is a very weird film, and I'm really happy that we're finally getting into sort of like the weird filmography when it comes to queer films. Um, There is something that at the heart of this film I really want us to talk about, and that is the... Uh, I don't know what you would call it, the friendship, the rivalry, the hatred, the sabotage that is whatever the hell James St. James and Michael Alec have and their portrayal in this film. Fren- frenemyship? Let's go with that. I, I feel like frenemies doesn't even begin to cover their relationship. Like... <laughs> Whatever they had is so much more intense than frenemies. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. 
they're yeah they're like rivals that feed off of each other into i guess success but not really because like i don't I guess Michael Alec made a lot of money as a party promoter, but, like, I wouldn't consider his life successful. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I think it reminds me a lot of, um... I feel like that's a thing you see from from time to time, just, like, these super toxic relationships between two people where, like... Maybe, like, in some ways, like, the toxicity, like, helps kick them in the ass a little bit to, like, do something, like, throw really successful parties or whatever, but at its core, it's so toxic for both people that, like, it really hinders them and inhibits any kind of progress. Yeah, it's kind of not even surprising that the movie ended the way it did, honestly, because... You could you could tell that just the toxicity of them even being together was was spinning things way out of control for both of them. One thing, one interesting thing I learned listening to the commentary is apparently both Michael Alec and James St. James told their respective actors who portrayed them that it was their duty to steal the show. Um, which I think came across very well in this. So. What do you think about Seth Green's and Macaulay Culkin's portrayal of the two main characters? They were definitely... I wouldn't say, like, one-upping each other and, like, stealing the show, but they were one-upping each other, like, as far as, like, just being show stealers. Like, they were both going very over the top and having fun with that, I feel like. Yeah, I will say Seth Green makes a, a very good James St. James. Yes, um, absolutely. You can, you can see James St. James is all over YouTube. Even today, he's still an icon, you know. Um, you can find he has or had, I don't know if they're still producing it, he had a series for a while on uh, World of Wonder um, where he invited famous makeup people and drag queens to basically paint his face in in whatever style they wanted. And it you get a lot of like you get a lot of him out of that series and it's very kind of true to the vibe that Party Monster tries to go for. World of Wonder was also behind this film as well, just for the record. Yes. Yes so they were. Everything everything <laughs> is connected. <laughs> Uh, it's kind of surprising that RuPaul wasn't in this because RuPaul was kind of sort of part of the club kids scene. Didn't they use a RuPaul song? They did use, they used a work, cover girl, work, make it twerk. I didn't didn't Um, realize RuPaul was part of the club kids scene. Yeah. Uh, RuPaul and, uh, Lady Bunny. Is that, that's her name, right? Yes, 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 yes. I always get Lady Bunny mixed up with a Golden Bunny, um, <laughs> which is a completely different topic for another episode. Um, but speaking of bunnies, I hear that there's a little rodent that's been gnawing at someone's mind lately. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Look, this movie was already super weird. Like... The, you know, we'll get to the costumes in a minute, I'm sure, because you cannot talk about this movie and not talk about the costuming. But as weird as it was, I was not expecting 
freaking Ratatouille to show up to explain a mystery that wasn't even really a mystery. I mean, <laughs> right? Like, hi, Remy. Okay. All right. I did not need to know this. Why are you here? Okay. If you do enough drugs, is he going to show up? Is that why my parents told me to stay off drugs? Is that why the D.A.R.E. program exists? If you do that enough... going to haunt my nightmares, okay? If you do enough Special K, Remy the Rat will show up, and he will reveal to you the identity of the Zodiac Killer. <laughs> yes, and he's not even going to cook for you, okay? He won't even cook not for you. Unless it's uh, drugs. <laughs> he could cook drugs. He'll cook pies. In the they kitchen. did not give the recipe for drug salad. In the, it, drug salad is mentioned and the recipe is not given. The recipe is not given, which was very inconsiderate. So, so Nate, what was the deal? What was the deal with the rat? So Does the, the rat, rat was, have a purpose. So the rat was the rat occurred because. Um, some of the some of the things that are mentioned in the film are disputed by Michael Alleg, um, specifically the Drano. Um, so there is a chance that the inclusion of the character as a rat was kind of like a nod to the fact that this might not be exactly what happened. Kind of right, thing. like we might have a, an unre- unreliable narrator here. Yeah. Speaking of unreliable, let's go back to let's go back to fun things. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, you 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 do enough downers, you gotta follow them with some uppers, right? It's true. I gotta say, as someone who went to a few factory parties uh, in his youth, um, I kind of wished I had gone to some of these parties because, like, the fashions and especially like disco bloodbath uh, just seemed like a really fun time. Yeah. Yeah, not gonna lie, um, drugs notwithstanding, the fashion in this movie is so out of this world, and so, like, very well thought out, and very well executed, um, even if it is, like, trash, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, I'm, I'm here for it, I... We'll say I watched this movie for the first time when I was a freshman in college, and it made such a big impact on me. The fashion, the style. This is around the same time that I started watching RuPaul's Drag Race for the first time. And just being exposed to all of this, like, out of this world, like, way out there fashion really kind of swayed me in, I guess like my thoughts of what the LGB community was like and how it was represented since I, you know, I found it all pretty much at the same time. And this was also around the same time I was really trying to figure out what does it mean to be gay or queer or whatever the fuck I am, you know, (laughs) and (laughs) seeing this movie, you know, (laughs) gave me, gave me a pretty clear idea about a couple of things. I don't remember when I when I first saw this movie, but it's probably around the same time in my life as that. I think I saw it the first time when I was like 23 or something. After I'd already done all my partying weird stuff. I do remember, though, when I was a kid, the National... Or, like, when this movie first came out, so I guess I wasn't quite a kid anymore, but, like, 
I remember seeing that picture of Macaulay Culkin in like one of his outfits on the National Enquirer or something like that. And they were saying that Macaulay Culkin was like now doing drugs and like, you know, uh, cross dressing and like hooking or something like that, like on the street. But like, no, it's just for this movie. <laughs> this was my first experience with this movie at 31. And I've never been a partier. Had I seen this at a younger age, it probably would have scared the shit out of me to the point where I would have continued to not be a partier. <laughs> yeah, I th- and I've I don't know why I kept going back to this movie. Like I think it's because it's just the presentation is just so surreal in a way. Like there's things that are intentional. Uh, like there's no long shots. There's no wide shots hardly in this movie. Like everything's yeah, so, right. everything's like so close up, and everything's like close ups or mid shots, and it, and it's like and it's filmed on like video, and you can tell it's very clearly video, and this was also like a choice they intentionally made, and then you go on to like realize the same two people that made this film like went on to basically rewrite queer television with RuPaul's Drag Race as producers of it. Um, and so many other like spin-offs from that with a production company. And it's just like this was pro- this was like the big start of like this new wave of queer media. And right. it just so happens that it's a, a murder <laughs> it's a murder movie based on a documentary that they had previously made. <laughs> with a, with a well, cast that at the know- time was just way too good like <sighs> I don't know how they got most of the people for this on their budget. Right. They got they got a lot of people for this movie. They had um, Seth Green and Macaulay Culkin in the lead roles. They had a, a cameo from John Stamos. I'm like ninety five percent sure that was John Stamos. That, that was. was it. Was John Stamos? There was uh, is in this. Um, Natasha Leone is in this. There's just it's it's insane. Like. And, and, and around this time was when most of them were, you know, big or still big, especially like Wilmer Valderrama. Um, and so it's just like this cast just broke me. <laughs> right. They got Fez. They got Fez from that 70s show when that 70s show was like at its top or like right after. Well, we know we know one thing, and that's that Kiyoki was not a top. But on <laughs> oh god i do want to circle back around to the fashion though because oh my god there are looks in this movie yes i I really like how just as a really short note and then i'm gonna back off um i really like how well kept a lot of the outfits a, a lot of the original outfits were from James St. James's collection and I also want to give props to the club kids who 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 appeared in this movie with their own style like bringing it to the show um like Richie Rich, Amanda Lepore and basically like the majority of the extras were original club kids who came and did this sort of as favors or uh basically because they loved the idea of the movie. Right. There's a real fill in this movie that it's a movie about club kids made by club kids. Yeah. And it really shows in the fashion. It really shows. Um, 
Seth Green in that troll look. Iconic. Um, Angel's Iconic. outfit for the entire, for basically the entire movie, how he goes from white to pink with that, with the big wings and the, and the hat. I, I love it. Apparently um, James St. James uh, wasn't a fan of some of the original costumes as well. Like the cloud, uh, the cloud jacket that Seth wears during um, Michael Alex's, uh I guess, aspirin overdose. Um, apparently James St. James hated that out that uh, that jacket originally <laughs> and said, I would never wear <laughs> such a thing. Um <laughs> <laughs> this is what I get. And you can find all of this and more in the director's commentary on the DVD. <laughs> right. <laughs> um I want to bring up on a like more serious note just how fucked up it is that like the murder of a POC drug dealer a uh, gay POC drug dealer was kind of swept under the rug to try and take down a, a pirate. Uh, I mean, it's very, it's very true to the time. Yeah, very true to, very true I to still to, today. It's, it's yeah. It's like, let's be honest here. There's, it's not um, changed because it is a horrific and indefensible like situation. Um, and like just the murder of it and just fucking everything connected to it and the aftermath is just so uh stupid um you're looking at one of the worst incidents that i've ever heard of and going yeah you know this is bad but rudy giuliani really wants to take down peter gayton and that's really fucking messed up to me Right. You're talking about a community that's underrepresented already. And then, um, to have, to have this kind of representation is almost, is, is sad. Yeah. And there's you know? even like lines in the film that's like, Hey, do you, where like, uh, James St. James can't remember who is missing from the apartment kind of thing. Uh, and it's just it's it's overall right. sad just like how little people cared about this individual as a whole. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean I read too, like it's not like, you know like he had a family and stuff that still cared about him. Cause I think I remember reading that his brother was just like heartbroken at how little like the kids that were supposed to be his friends like cared about the fact that his brother was even missing and then like washed up you know dismembered <laughs> and it's kind of weird to think that we're taught that we're even like you know discussing a movie that's kind of in a way solidifying the infamy of like the murderer with and the movie itself doesn't have that much focus on like the victim kind of thing right it's, yeah it kind of they kind of boiled Angel's character down to, like, look, I really want to be here because I admire you guys, and oop, all of a sudden now I sell drugs. What a crazy world we live in. And now I'm dead, <laughs> which is kind of sad. I wish 
they would have spent a little bit more time humanizing Angel as a yeah as a per like as a character. Um, that would have been nice. I, and even we, like I do appreciate. Sorry, you, you, Danny. Sorry. No, go ahead. Okay. Uh, what I was going to say, I do appreciate that they never pretend like Michael cared about him. There's never that, pre- oh, you know, they just had a falling out and really he's not that bad of a guy. He, right. Like, Angel is never treated well by James St. James or Michael for the whole movie. They are just terrible to him even before he's murdered. And But it would have been nice to have gotten to see some of Angel's perspective and gotten to really know him even just for a little bit, all we got to see of just of him on his own was how much he wanted to be a part of that and how much he cared about them and wanted to be with them. And then to have them treat him like that, it would have been nice to have gotten to see some more of him and to understand why he felt he needed to stay and why he felt he had to put up with that. This is probably yeah. a good time yeah. to bring up my least favorite trope in gay movies, the angelic gay character. <laughs> Um, this was not named after Angel, but, uh, basically... <laughs> I the, was gonna say! <laughs> but it fits, doesn't it? <laughs> um, they don't really have any real, like, defining features about them. They don't have, like, a three-dimensional personality. And they're basically there to be killed off. Uh, so that other characters can have some kind of development. And I feel like this is partially true for this film i can think of i could think of a short list of queer media just right off the top of my head with dead gay characters named angel like rent they're rent 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 <laughs> we're looking at you rent. they don't have to be named angel <laughs> but just like in general it's the reason i hate dream boy because the entire movie is just one big angelic gay story Right. Um, At the same time, I do kind of get why they did it the way they did it, because they're very focused on the dynamic between James St. James and Michael Alec on on the struggle to maintain focus and to like be the star of the movie. You know what I mean? That they don't really have the time to really go deep into other characters and flesh them out. Yeah. I think, too, in this particular case, because it's based on a true story and a true murder, it's a little trickier. Um, Because you don't want to, you know, dishonor the memory of this, like, person by, like, portraying them in the negative light, necessarily. Um, And it really, like... It's kind of true with other, like, supporting characters as well. Like... There are a lot of characters in this movie that are very bright, that are very in focus, that are very there, but that are very, like, two-dimensional because they're, like, just accessories at a party, you know? And that includes Freeze, that includes, like, Mitzi, that includes, like, or Gitsy, I mean. Which like which I think really speaks to how James St. James and Michael Alec probably, like, just viewed people in general. I mean, right. there's there's a line that's like you know, but we are shallow and vapid. I think is a line like yeah. So I think I think that you're right that like a lot of the characters are two dimensional in a way, like especially like Freeze, Gitsy, 
um, Brooke, um, Christina, definitely like everyone except for James and Michael Alleg, uh, maybe Kiyoki to some extent. Um, and maybe also the club owner. Gaten, yeah. But definitely not his wife. <laughs> I love the wife. <laughs> <laughs> she was so great. <laughs> oh, that was another one. Um, the actor behind Peter Gaten was on, like, Dawson's Creek or something. Isn't that Dylan McDermott? Yeah. I love yeah. him from Steel Magnolias. I love Steel Magnolias. Oh. <laughs> If we if we ever did a movie that is like entrenched in queer media that isn't actually about queer people, just for us right now, doesn't have to be included in the podcast. I would love to, <laughs> I would love to do an episode <laughs> on Steel Magnolias. Just saying. If y'all want to see me cry, <laughs> it's on the. It's I'm gonna put it on the schedule. Uh, nice the thing that we keep going back to over and over again is the friendship of saint james st james and michael alleg the way that both collaborated but also tried to outshine steal and sabotage the other person uh which is something we're going to try and recreate in our next game gay set match yay two categories three (laughs) rounds as our contestants go head to head and the odd one out chooses between them everybody ready Yes. Yep. Let's go. I'm assuming that there wasn't anything I missed in the discussion. I don't think so, no. Okay. All right. So the first category is, all right, everyone's an asshole in this movie, but, like, besides Michael and James, who were the biggest assholes? First round is Amelia versus Mel. Amelia goes first. You know, I had a hard time with that one for most of the the first watch of my movie trying to decide who to go with but uh i'm gonna have to go with freeze for assisting and killing uh angel and i think he was the one that originally actually did kill angel right he's the one that blew him not blew him but like did the blows with the hammer yeah yeah he's the one who who uh bat yes uh no what do you <laughs> what is I'm not comfortable with this. Um, well, I was going to go with Freeze, but since that's taken, and since Michael and St. James are off the table, I am going to go with Michael's mother for not only raising such a terrible little brat, but also because in the mention of the guy who molested him, she did not seem to think anything was going on, even given the signs, and she's a terrible mother. All right, Ro. You get to choose between, and one of these is a nod to the audience member who read the IMDb page, um, Ice Cold Bastard or Mommy Dearest. Oh, God. Um, I personally would have a hard time choosing Mommy Dearest just because she had the one, that one just stolen cold line. And I res- that I respect her so much for, and she was like, "I came into this city in a limo. I'm not leaving on a bus." <laughs> so, so I'm gonna have to go with Freeze. <laughs> and the point goes to Amelia. All right, Mel, do you want to keep your answer as we go into category or round two? Uh, 
Yeah, I'm going to stick with my answer. All right, Ro, who is the biggest asshole? I'm going to go with uh, Peter Gatien. Not because I think he did anything particularly assholey, but because I think he 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 did it out of necessity because Michael was spinning out of control. And so I think, you know, in 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 that respect, he was an asshole because he needed to be because Michael is alive. All right, Amelia, that means you get to choose between Mommy Dearest and a Canadian asshole. I'll go with the Canadian asshole, eh? And the point goes to Roe. <laughs> Alright, let's go to our final round. Amelia versus Roe. Amelia, Roe, both, do either of you want to change your answers? No, I'm good. Alright, Mel, you get to choose between Ice Cold Bastard and a, Can- a Canadian asshole. I'm gonna go with Ice Cold Bastard because if you are already discounting Michael, the, he did the worst thing in the film. And Amelia's in the lead as we go to round two. Or category two. Category two is which actor... <laughs> there's a lot of great actors in this film. There's a lot of famous actors. There's a lot of actors who I don't know how they got into this film, but they are here anyway. My question is, which of the actors had the most fun with their roles? Uh, first round is Roe versus Amelia with Roe going first. Oh, let's see. Um, we went so long in this podcast without mentioning Marilyn Manson, and I'm kind of proud of ourselves. <laughs> I'm kind of proud of us. But Christina Superstar is such a mess of a character, and I think, honestly, if Marilyn Manson didn't have fun playing Christina Superstar, then he's an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, and Amelia? Um, I think Seth Green honestly seemed like he was just, like, genuinely having the most fun time playing James St. James. Also, I just love Seth Green, so. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Mel, you get to choose between A Mess of a Mess and Green with St. James. I I, I gotta give it to Seth Green. Green with St. James. All right. Let's move on to round two. Mel versus Roe. Mel, who is the biggest asshole? Are we still doing the asshole? Sorry. I mean, who had the most fun? (laughs) (laughs) Um... I'm going to say Macaulay Culkin was having the most fun. You know, he hadn't been filming for, I think I read it was nine years since his last role. And then he comes back to do this. You know, he had to have fun, had to be having a lot of fun. And he was so over the top, but he felt like he was enjoying being an asshole, which we all knew if we've ever seen uh, The Good Son. (laughs) All right. Ro, do you want to keep Christina Superstar? Absolutely. All right, Amelia, your choices are having a killer time with it or a mess of a mess. Macaulay Culkin did seem to have a lot of fun with this role, and we all know how weird Macaulay Culkin is now. So I feel like this is kind of like what uh, what kicked him into like this like super kind of more weird film thing that he does now. All right, and the point goes to Mel. <laughs> Ah, tears. I'm sorry. (laughs) That was a rough decision. It was a hard decision. Right? Now we're into the final round, Amelia versus Mel. Do either of you want to change your your options? 
Nope. No. All right, Ro, you get to choose between, coincidentally, Michael Alec versus James St. James. Oh, no, not again. <laughs> um... I'm... Can I just say for a moment that they would be so happy to know it came down between, like the actual men would yeah. be so happy to know it would come down between them. Um, I'm gonna have to give it to Seth Green just because of the scene where they're walking around the Dunkin' Donuts and he's explaining to them how to successfully behave at a party. Um, Looked like such a fun scene to shoot, and I would have loved to have shot it myself. <laughs> and with a rather impressive knockout, tonight's super duper star is Amelia. Ooh! Yay! What do I win? Yeah. <laughs> you get to tell me, is this film a party or a narty? Which is a f- mm. word that I became up with. It's trademarked by me. <laughs> Definitely a definitely a party. I um I think if you like weird films and you know, just murder. I don't know, I, I really enjoy this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, let's go to our OG superstar Mel. Tell me, is this movie a superstar or did it fizzle out for you? Look, maybe I am just a sad little scrod, as uh... Michael Alec might have called me. I don't know that I would ever watch this again. If you are into costumes, definitely watch it. If you like stuff a little weird, go for it. But I am still gestating on what I, I, I cannot decide if I like this movie or not. It's it's a weird one. Um, I would say you need to experience it at least once. All right, we'll go with a reluctant yes. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, tell me, Ro, is this movie a blast or just a flash? This movie is a whole ass scrinkleda, let me tell you. <laughs> um if you have not seen this movie, watch it immediately. Um it's a trip and a half. <laughs> All right, well, that's what we think. But if you've seen this movie or end up watching it, please tell us what you think about it. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at GayEcapod. That's G-A-Y-E-C-A-P-O-D. While you're there, why not suggest a movie for us to watch? I'm really enjoying actually getting suggestions from y'all and some feedback. Um, I cannot wait to get in um, Reinventing Marvin, which has, uh, how do you say her name, Amelia? Chloe Sauvigny? No, 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 other one from uh, Eight Women. Oh, oh Isabel Huppert. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm really looking forward to getting that one in and see if we seeing if we can actually review it on the on the podcast. Um, we can't wait to experience more movies with you. Thank you so much for the warm welcome. All right. Since this is going to be a hard movie to really remake, since it's technically already a remake of a documentary, we're going to do a very special game called Best of the Film. So. In this round, we're going to hear. Uh, in this game, we're going to hear what each person thought the best blink was in the film. So first up, Amelia, tell me what what was the best look in this film? Troll. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so definitive. I didn't even have to think, did not even have to think about that one. What about you, Mel? Um, I liked when after Michael's overdose, he was at the party that was like nurses 
and he basically just had two surgical masks on. And I don't know how those surgical masks stayed on. And I don't want to know. Do not ruin the mystery <laughs> for me how they stayed up. But that costume was fascinating for Did me. Did he just keep his actual IV for that outfit? I don't think he had the IV with him. Was he not dragging it around? I don't remember. I don't think so. I do have to say that is also very COVID chic. <laughs> <laughs> and last up, it's Roe. Um, not gonna lie, I was gonna say troll, but close second is, you know that pink, like, bejeweled outfit that looks like that one Amanda Lepore video where she just, like, covers herself in hot pink lipstick, and it has, like, the five lumpies on the top, and yeah. all you can see is, like, the eyes and the mouth. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. I love that outfit. It is so cool. <laughs> that was my backup if somebody said troll. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to lie. Troll was actually the first thing I wrote down to. <laughs> well, I'm Nato Kitchen. There's always a party in my pants. It's called Restless Leg Syndrome. Later. <laughs> Bye. 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 <laughs> Bye.